0: Good morning everyone. Good to see everybody. My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, how many of you men are grateful for Hallmark? <laughs> You're grateful for someone that's good with words, right? Because some of us are not that great with words, especially at certain times of uh, of the year. And uh, we, I guess we had Valentine's a couple of days ago. You see how romantic I am? Well, when was it? It was like Friday, right? And uh, And I'm grateful for people like Hallmark. A lot of people make a lot of money off of words and all because, as I said, some of us just don't do that well. Watch this video.
1: I messed up. So I told her, you got a mirror, you can see what you look like in those jeans. So, anyway, I don't know what to do.
0: You just talk to her.
1: And tell her what?
0: You tell her how you feel.
1: I did. I told her, I feel like you look like your mother.
0: Okay, no, you you need to use your words. You know, romantic words.
1: Oh. Wait, what?
0: Okay, um, honey, uh, you you take your wife by her hands and you just pour into her.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Am I holding her hands or am I pouring something? I, I can't do both.
0: What, no. Todd, you are going to pour words into your wife. You look her in the eyes, dead set, and you just let go. Because that's what she does to you, Todd. She makes you let go. And you say to her, you mean everything to me. And I would let go of
1: everything if it means that I just get to hold you for the rest of my life. And that's what you do. What are you doing? I'm calling my wife. And you are going to tell me some pretty words to say to her.
0: We are not doing this.
1: Hey babe, no, 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 don't hang up, don't hang up. Um, I was an idiot and I know you said some things too. You shouldn't have. You don't say that. I'm that's not what I meant. I meant I have some things to say to you right now. No. While we're on the phone. Stop it. Just listen. She said I have two minutes.
0: What do I say, what do I say? I'm sorry. For what? Don't oh, you tell her that.
1: I'm sorry. Babe? She's still there, I can hear her breathing. Uh,
0: Tell her I love you and you mean everything to me and I am a fool because I don't tell you that more often.
1: Um, I'm a fool for loving you and I should say that stuff more often.
0: You are the only reason I am half the man I am. Your love and constant support is my daily breath.
1: I'm half the man I am because of you, and your love is a constraint. Constant support. No, I'm sorry, no, your love is constantly on my breath. Daily.
0: You are the greatest blessing God has ever given me and you
1: are perfect for me. Babe, you're the, you're the best thing God ever did for me. You're perfect. Uh, for me, you're perfect. You're, you're not perfect. So. Hey, 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 what, what, what are you doing? Just tell me what to say.
0: Sunsets are more beautiful when you are on the horizon.
1: Um, you're more beautiful at sunset on the horizon. totally worked babe I'm gone in 60 seconds what a moron you were great i know right the
0: words you said i i heard i had no idea
1: seriously you had no idea that some women fall for that stuff <laughs> i'm just glad you're not that gullible
0: By the way, what's for dinner? I've messed up.
1: (laughs) Use your words, my friend. Use those words.
0: Uh, there you go, use those words. Uh, today we're going to be over in Luke 6. If you've got your Bibles you want to turn over there, we are starting a new series called The Parables of Luke, where we look at stories and uh, metaphors that come out of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus had a lot to say about the words we use. Matter of fact, there's a book in the Bible uh, called The Book of Proverbs. If there's a book called Proverbs, you know it's about words, Right? And it has a lot to say about how we speak, the words we use. And uh, some people don't think the Bible is very relevant today. Uh, I would just challenge you to just go about to the middle of this book and pull up the book of Proverbs and read it. And you'll go, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Just check it out. Jesus is even called in John in the first chapter, he's called the Word, right? The Word became flesh. God spoke the world into existence, the world into existence, the Word, speaking, and uh, today we're, like I said, launching into this new series. Next week I'm excited because our friend Linus Morris, a missionary that we support here will be with us, and he'll be teaching us through uh, Luke 15, through the parables of Luke 15, so he'll be here next week. We're going to be in this for about six weeks, looking at the different parables, and today We're over in Luke 6, verses 43 through 45, so let's read this and we'll pray and jump into it. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things. A good woman brings good things out of the good stored up in his or her heart. And an evil man or evil woman brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his or her heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Father, we ask for you to bless your word this morning. Uh, Come and breathe life on it. This word was put together, this Bible, this book with letters all over it. And then it speaks to us because, Lord, of your power, you are the word. And we would ask that you would speak to us this morning. This is your word. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Jesus has been preaching along. I to call this the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount portion of Scripture. Uh, What happened is Jesus went out into the community. He began healing people. People took notice of it. He began casting out demons. People took notice of that. People began to follow him. People just wanted to get a touch uh, from Jesus or touch him because they figured if they could just get to Jesus and touch him, they would be better. And so the crowds were amassing. And Jesus did this quite often is that he would come and he would do something very phenomenal and miraculous and uh and then he would people would sit down around him and then he would go from meeting the physical needs to talking to them about their spiritual needs their emotional needs and and he would grab their attention and draw them in and what he depicted most often was what we call the kingdom of god now the word kingdom we don't get because we don't use it here in america but it's simply a place where there is a king and the king gets his way and the kingdom of god is that rule and that reign, that place where God gets what he wants. And so Jesus is preaching toward that to get us to be able to see, to get the folks during this time to see what it would look like if God's rule and reign, his kingdom came to earth. And of course it came in Jesus. And so whenever we see Jesus doing something, we see his words, we see the heart of God and we see the kingdom. So he's been preaching along, he's talked about who's blessed, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom, blessed are you who hunger, went through this very well-known section, love for enemies that don't just love the people that like you, love your enemies as well, quite a challenge. I imagine the people were kind of scratching their heads. They had the boot of the Romans on their neck and and all, and they were probably, what's he getting at, judging others about not judging? And, and Then he gets down to this passage that I just read where he begins to speak of A tree and its fruit. Um, You've got a fill-in in in your handout if you want to track along. You should have a a pen as well. And your first fill-in is this, is that every tree bears fruit. Every tree has some kind of fruit. Something comes out of that life. Every tree. Look, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree. Each tree, so the only tree that doesn't have something that others can see and is a dead tree. You're gone. As long as we're here, then we have some fruit in our life, something that people uh, can see. I think most of us in this room are probably thinking, and probably the people during Jesus' day are thinking, you know, I'm a pretty good tree. You know, I've got some good fruit in my life, I think. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good tree. And uh, I think this is just like Jesus setting the story up, creating this tension. Such a good storyteller, and he has such an economy of words. I mean, there's only like three, four sentences here, and it's just packed full of meaning. So what is Jesus after in this story? In verse 44, he says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Your second fill-in is, every tree, every tree is identified by its fruit. Every tree. Seems redundant, doesn't it? Seems repetitive. Seems like, duh, Jesus. Yeah, If I see an apple tree and I see an apple on it. It's an apple tree. If I see a thorn bush and I see thorns on it, it's a thorn bush. I understand, duh. So, so far, as the people are listening to Jesus, they're going, I get it. I get it. They knew what apples were. They knew tasty fruit. They certainly knew what briars and thorns were. They're pulled in. They're listening. And uh, I imagine everyone was going like, where's he headed with this? Then he says in verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Your third feeling is this. Every tree has a heart. Every tree has a heart has a heart. And the fruit of that tree doesn't come from just the limb. It comes from the heart. Now, can anybody tell me what fruit he's talking about in this very short passage? What fruit? What is the fruit that dangles from the good man and the good woman or the evil man and the evil woman that they're recognized by? What does it say? What does it say in words? I see, now that's when Jesus, (laughs) you know, it's like, okay, I had you, I had you, Lord, with the apples and the thorns and all, but then he goes, for the mouth, in verse 45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's the fruit. Now, yes, the Bible does indeed in Galatians 5 talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of that comes out of our lives and should be a part of our lives and the fruit of our life as followers of Jesus. But in this passage, Jesus is talking about the fruit that falls off the limbs of these lips and that you and I are known by whatever words come out of our mouth. So when people are around you they look at you and they see the tree that you are and then they hear and see the fruit of it. Now that would be probably enough except that Jesus drives it even further in by saying that comes out of your heart. It's not just a head thing but it comes from something much deeper. Uh, Paul David Tripp this is your fourth fill-in, says it this way, I I, I don't know how it could be said any more succinctly, and that is that word problems are heart problems. Word problems are heart problems. Jesus is setting this whole story up to say that we've got a bigger problem than we realize. Because if we would listen to the fruit that comes out of these, (laughs) these little limbs right here, we would see that our heart might be in a little bit worse shape than what we even want to maybe say it is at times. The heart is the seat, the very seat of all that we are. And you know how you all of us have done this, every one of us. You're saying something and, and suddenly you hear it come out of your mouth and you go, I, I don't know why I said that, I didn't mean it. Liar. <laughs> That's not true. Somewhere deep down inside of our heart, we did mean it. There's some part of our heart that that fruit suddenly leapt right off of that limb, and there it was. You know, for the church, that's a quite a challenge because we're supposed to be right different, right? And our words are supposed to be different. Well, hang on with me. We're going somewhere with all of this. The first thing that I think Jesus wants to sober us up with is this, that we've got a serious problem, that our hearts are in a place that we probably don't recognize, really need some help. And um, so where do we get this help? I think that Jesus' half-brother has some help for us, and so if you've got your Bibles, turn over to the James 3. James 3. This, uh, this book was written, as I said, by Jesus' half-brother, James James did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was those three, three and a half years that he walked the earth. Matter of fact, James and Jesus' earthly brothers uh, and family, except for his mom, did not believe he was, just didn't believe he was Messiah. You know, there is, I take it from the scripture that they would kind of sit in the back of the room, James and brothers, and kind of ridicule their brother, thinking, oh, he's my weird brother. You know, he thinks he's Messiah. He thinks he's crazy until he was raised from the dead, and that kind of changed things. And then James goes, oh, he was telling the truth. Wow, you know, and it was, it was real after all, gosh. And so it changes James' life. James goes from being a skeptic and thinking his half-brother is a little strange to being a full believer and committed to the calls of the gospel, being the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And now he's writing this letter to the churches, to the believers there, to try to help them. And, uh, and so this connection with jesus and what jesus said in luke six forty three through 45 and what james is about to say here in james 3 1 through 12 i think is very significant so here's what james says not many of you should presume to be teachers my brothers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly we all stumble in many ways I should have got an amen right there. Am I the only one to say amen? Somebody make me feel better. Okay, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? We call that brackish water around here. I'm mingling, you can't tell which it is, right? My brother, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water now i want to ask again who is he writing this letter to christians followers of jesus the first century church where many of us go man i wish i was alive back then i'd be a better christian you know and yet this letter was written directly to the christians there and it's Rather dire, don't you think? I mean, it's basically saying it shouldn't be like this, but this is the way we are. Talking about tension, it's like who is going to help us with this? How are we going to get out of this situation? I take great comfort in that. hundreds of years, four or five hundred years earlier. The prophet said this about a day, and this day was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He said, uh, God spoke through the prophet, I will give you, in Ezekiel 36... I will give you a new heart. I need a new heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit, little s, new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my capital S, my spirit, my presence, in you. And what? Move you. You need to be moved sometimes. Move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I read that and I go, Jesus, that's that's my hope because my heart, Scripture says too, is desperately wicked, and no matter how much I plumbed the depths of it, there still seems to be more wickedness there. And Jesus. Uh, today in Luke 6 and James speaking here in James 3 seems to say look all you have to do is look at the fruit of your lips and listen to yourself sometimes or if you have that blessed special person in your life who will tell you what you say (laughs) did you hear what you just said and then you see that the fruit of your lips is a picture of the way your heart is how am I going to get out of this I don't want to be like this well the first way out is this, realize that we got a problem. We have a problem with a we have a heart problem. And God has promised us that a day would come when he would give us a new heart. And that day came in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give us that holy spirit and also to rebirth us into a new and living way it says. And We know here in the vineyard, we know this, we know we live in this time, this tension between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, and that we're in this tension of wanting to see the kingdom come, and we want to see our hearts completely renewed the way God dreams for them to be, but we're just not quite there yet, so it's the already and the not yet of the rule and the reign of God in our lives, and we feel this tension. And what will God do to help us in this tension and to help us Grow and to help us change. What's he going to do? Well, I think James gives us the answer right here in the book of James, at least a very good start. Uh, I just want to encourage you when you read your Bible and you read a scenario where you go, wonder how we're going to get out of this, that you keep reading. Because many, many times the answer is in the same text of what you're reading, it's right there around it. And so, we want to keep on reading in verse 13 and, uh, and see what James has to say. But I want, to, I want you to say this back to me because this is very important. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Can you say that to me? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And most of us sit around waiting for something to change. We go, well, I'll change whenever it changes. You know, I just don't feel like the change. I don't know what's wrong with me. I guess I'll be like this forever. You know, I just, I don't feel it. I'm not moved to do anything. Uh, You know, it's just, just, um, that's just who I am. Like it or leave it. Is that the way God has left us? Yeah, He loves you like that, but is that the way you want to stay? I can tell you the people around you don't want you to stay like that. You know, we want to move with Christ. We want to grow with Christ. We want to grow up in Him. And that's the part of church. That's where church comes in. It's not just Sunday morning. It's developing friendships with one another, where we can walk with each other, where when we hear things come out of our mouths that shouldn't be that we can love one another, they go, did you just hear yourself? And we go, what? Because we don't even hear it many times. We go, what did I say? You just said this. Do you realize how demeaning that was, how biased that was, how prejudiced that was? How uncaring that was. Do you realize what you just said? We go, what? You know what? And the church, you know, is this blessed community that comes together and spends enough time with each other that we lovingly but clearly can say, no, here's what was said, and we can go, oh, my goodness, God help me. You know, I don't want a heart like that. I don't want a heart that is biased. I don't want a heart that says the harsh things. I don't want the fruit of my lips to be thorns and thistles. I want it to be apples and figs. I want it to be a blessing. So what do we do? James 3, 13 through 18. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him, what? Show it. This is right on the heels of him just telling us what kind of condition we found ourselves with this tongue and our heart. Let him or her show it. By his good life. Show it. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and what? Good fruit. Impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So you've got a list of ten things that come out of these verses that uh, that I want to just point out to you and you can fill in your fill in here. And again, nothing changes if nothing changes. James seems to say, listen, here is something you can what do? You do. You don't wait to feel, you do. Show it by your good life. Deeds done in humility. The first one is do good deeds. Begin to do good deeds. Instead of sitting back and waiting for you to feel like doing something good, start doing them. Do something good for somebody. Did you know your brain is just an amazing? It's just it's just crazy. I've been reading, uh, you know, about how the, the plasticity of the brain and how it, and I'm, I'm just fascinated by all of this. But there's this quantum Zeno effect about the plasticity of the brain and how that if you watch, if you keep your focus on something good that you want to change, that everything in the proteins in your brain, the three main proteins will begin to get released and will come in and reinforce the feelings of that good thing that you want to change. But if you keep going back and going back and going back to the bad, it will never change and you will never feel different. It's like God gives us spirit, God gives us his word, God gives us this amazing crazy thing called our brain our heart our life and he brings it all into alignment and he says I am going to change you to live differently he has done everything he can do to help us he's equipped you with everything you need to experience the life that Christ has called you to and so when we begin to do good deeds you feel good about it something clicks inside it releases these chemicals that reinforce that doing good is good It makes us feel better. We want to do more of it. And look in verse 13 again. Do them with humility. Humility. Look at all I've done, you know. Then all of it just gets zapped out of us. You know, do it with humility. What I read in the scripture is we have two choices with humility. We can either humble ourselves or be humbled by God. Now, most likely both are probably going to happen in our life at various times, but it's a lot better to humble yourself than it is to let God humble you. And so we humble ourselves in doing our good deeds. We don't want the notoriety. We don't care about that. What we want to do is see our hearts change. And so we begin to do good things for people. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a part of being who we are, and we do them with humility, not bragging, not with pride. And in verse fourteen, uh, he encourages us to let go of bitterness. He says, "But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth." In here this morning, so many of us and all of us at some time in our life are going to have to deal with bitterness. And James says, "If we want to be, if we want our tongues to." produce the good fruit of righteousness and say the right words, then we can't deny that we have bitterness toward some people. But we also should not let it ruin our life. Because if you have bitterness in your heart toward anyone, I can tell you it is coming out of your mouth. The minute the season rolls around for that fruit to blossom, when someone mentions their name and really maybe affirming way, and you don't think the same about them, suddenly springtime has arisen. And the thorns begin to blossom and come out, you know. Right then, suddenly, at that moment. And James says, if we really want to change our heart, we need to deal with our bitterness. We need to forgive people. We're going to take communion in just a few minutes. And I wanted to do that because... The juice and the bread touch our lips. They're a reminder that we belong to Christ now. And that our hearts belong to Him. And we want our words to be sanctified, purified. To be His words. To have His heart of love for people. So we have to let go of bitterness. And God has put His spirit of forgiveness in your heart, dear follower of Jesus. You have the power of the cross. When Jesus hung on the cross and he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You have that same spirit in you, the spirit of forgiveness, the power to be able to do that. And it's called forgiveness because they need to be forgiven. It doesn't condone or confirm that they did something well, that you're not wrong about it. It means they need to be forgiven so bitterness can be uprooted out of your life. Because bitter words will come out of our lips, won't they? I mean, if we have bitterness toward anyone, that fruit is going to dangle out of right here as soon as the season rolls around. Verse 16, he says, Let go of selfishness for where you have envy and selfish ambition. Envy and selfish ambition. He says, get rid of that, you know, the selfishness. Learn to live a more selfless life. And instead of envying people and wanting what they have, rejoice with them when God blesses them and rejoice. And, because that comes out of our mouth too. If we envy and we're selfish, then soon as that season rolls around and we hear somebody say or we see something, somehow God is blessing that person or that person has something that we wish we had or whatever's going on, suddenly out comes the fruits of thorns and thistles about that person. So we let go of it, and we begin to do these acts, and we do them selflessly. We let go of selfishness. Verse 17, be peace-loving. Be peace-loving. Listen to yourself. I mean, you have an antagonistic type of personality, like you're always wanting to argue with everybody. <laughs> you like that? Like there's no, no topic comes up that you can't. My wife says I'm like that, so I'm just going to, hi, my name's Tim. My name's Tim, and I think I'm always right. <laughs> uh, yes, Lord, please. <laughs> but peace, loving you know. Do you? I mean, even when you have a point to make, you know, is it is it about us making our point and us, you know, I came, I saw, I conquered, or is, is it about you know, peace, loving and seeking God's peace in whatever situation not being antagonistic or being hard to get along with. I mean, we can stop ourselves. You guys are not out of control. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have His Word speaking to you. You have this marvelous chemistry going on in your head to come alongside you. And once you start the turn, you start making the turn and the Spirit fills you and all of it gets into line and you begin to... Will you ever get there? No, not totally, but you can turn some. We all can turn some and live this life much better. That's discipleship. Peace loving. Be considerate, verse 7. That's preferring others. Looking out for one another. Considering one another. How about we just do, why don't we just take a challenge on as simple as this. Open a door for somebody. I mean, that's kind of a rare thing nowadays. It's like, you know, don't, I mean, anybody. It doesn't matter who. I mean, just be considerate of someone. When you walk in a store, when you're in some situation, your eyes scan and you go, who can I consider more so than myself today, right here? What can I do to show that I know they're alive and I am considerate of them? When you step into that and you begin doing that, I firmly believe this is what James is getting at. Our tongue becomes, change, our heart changes, our tongue changes. We become a different people. Be considerate. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Hey, you guys thought that was only in that chapter about wives, didn't you? Submissive, nah. You know, submissiveness is for all of us. It's not for one person. I mean, we Christians live a submissive life. We look to see how we submit ourselves to one another, to serve one another, to serve the kingdom of God. And James says, when you're with each other and when you're with others, don't look to always have your way for the sake of having your way. Find a way to submit to whatever the Lord is doing in that situation. Be willing to submit. I mean, I'm always looking like, when I'm in situations where things are about to get done. I've always got my eyes out for whoever God is working through. Like you're in a group of two or three people and something's about to be done. I'm saying, Lord, who, who's it on? You know, who's the leadership on? You know, if it's not on me, who's it on? Because wherever it is, I want to submit to it. And it's not always the same person. And so you say, Lord, who do, who do I need to submit to so we can get this thing done? And then you slide into it and you submit yourself to it. Are you willing to do that? Because if you're not, what happens when you're in a situation later on, you talk bad about the person that did. Then you, well, I could have done better than that. Man, I can't believe it. Why didn't they ask me? You know? They did such a sorry job, you know? Why didn't you get into it and get up under them? Help them. Help them. Submit to the, to the bigger picture, the bigger plan. Be submissive. Nothing changes if nothing changes verse 17 be merciful show kindness show kindness be merciful to people show mercy yeah maybe they deserve for you to rip them and you know maybe they deserve that but be merciful god has been merciful to you lord let me hear my words do i have a merciful language Do I let people off the hook or do I keep them on there forever? Like they're going to pay for this, buddy, you know, like forever. Or do I have a merciful heart? Because my words will reflect whether I do or not. Verse 17, be impartial, full of mercy and good fruit, right? Good fruit. Here's James, half-brother of Jesus, talking about good fruit right here in this passage. Good fruit impartial, impartial. Don't allow yourself to simply be around people like yourself or to like people just like you. Like, man, I love surfers. Yeah, well, I do. You know, I love surfers, but I love lots of kinds of people. But if you never allow yourself to be around others and to show the same attention to them that you do the people you like, you will never be an impartial person. And you know what? We don't like to be told that we're biased, that we're prejudiced. But these things should not be in the house of God. These things should not be in the house of God. And so when the words come out of our lips and we hear that fruit and we see it and others hear it and they see it, we should take an inventory and go, God. And we'll say what? I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Somewhere in your heart. Somewhere in my heart. I'm in it. Because I have drawn some conclusions. They're not godly. And my heart is not good in that area. It's evil. But God has come to move us, right? To obey Him. I know this sounds so... Oh, man, this is a rough message. No, it isn't. This is just on humanity. We're all screwed up. We are. I mean, we are. We're just, we're full of it. We really are. And, you know, and the thing is, God has not left us alone. God has come to save us, to put his spirit in us, to move us, to give us a new heart, to teach us that we can behave differently before we feel like behaving differently. And that God will come in and reinforce that within us and lead us and will build into us everything he ever dreamed for us to be. I believe that. And your last one is be sincere. I like the fact that he put that last. It's like, because we could fake some of this, right? All right, well, I'll do it for you. I don't really care, about but I just like that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Gosh, I wish I hadn't heard that sermon today, uh, you know. Going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do, do what Tim said. I'm going to hold this door. I feel like a dork. Oh. You now, no, no. no, be sincere. They say, well, but you know, this is the people of God. Now, you know, if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. Don't worry about this. You know, those of us who are following Jesus, this is our challenge. And this is our hope. And this is how we change. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. So, what are we waiting on? Let's pray.